Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I'm in Washington, D.C. as I record our podcast today, and I have very much on my mind the kind of allegations that come against people who speak out or ride or lead. It's natural. If you're going to pastor, if you're going to be a priest, if you're going to be a rabbi, if you're going to uh, run for Congress, if you're going to lead a company, you will be criticized. And I certainly have had a good deal of that in my life, partly because uh, I write about politics, faith, cultures, uh, things that can be contentious, things that can be uh, can get people stirred up. But I, I want to use an allegation that came against me this past week uh, as kind of a teaching tool and to t- discuss one of the uh, issues of dialogue between religions that we're going to have to get on top of if we're going to have anything productive <laughs> to say to each other. Uh, and and uh, I want to make very clear uh, that I've always been bothered when prominent people or people in media uh, got on television, got on radio, and attacked their critics. And that's not what I'm doing. I, I'm not hurt by criticism. I've had my death threats. I've had people mad because I wrote about the left and mad because I wrote about the right and mad because I wrote about Catholics and mad because I wrote about beer. I, I mean, I'm just not worried about that. So please don't think that I'm going to stack up, you know, all the angry letters that I might receive and uh, and take them on in this podcast and turn it into a real bore. That's that's not the case. What I am going to do, though, uh, is take a, a little bit of an accusation that came against me uh, in, in a blog and, and just explain why it's so wrongheaded by way of saying uh, that we've got to understand uh, the nature of Scripture, uh, both inside the church, outside, or we are never going to have anything productive to say to the society or to each other uh, about what the Bible actually says. Um, I have written a book called Killing Jesus. I, I love this book um, like I love all of my books. They're like my children. Uh, this one's tender to me because, of course, it's about Jesus, and uh, it's something that I, I have wanted to write for years and years. It's getting a lot of wonderful response, and uh, it's selling well, and, uh, and what makes me excited is the dialogue that uh, it's prompting, the discussions left, right, uh, my Jewish friends, my Roman Catholic friends, my Muslim friends are all interacting with me. It's, it's very exciting. And it's exciting to see the you know dialogue going on in the broader culture. Well, one person writing from a Reformed Christian website uh, said that he loved the book, but he was sad to see that I was a heretic. <laughs> It's <laughs> not a word that's used very often of me. Sad to see that I was a heretic uh, and, that I, uh, and that I did not believe in the inspiration of Scripture. Uh, and he said this because in, the, in, in my book, Killing Jesus, I point out that the Scriptures contradict themselves upon occasion in the sense that you have the same story told with very different details. Now, that's not the main point of my book, and it's not a big, my book's not very theological. It's more, uh, you know, historical and gritty and on the ground in the first century. Um, But it was a charge that I understood because I was educated at a Reformed seminary, and I understand where they're coming from, and I I share it. I'm an evangelical. I've never hidden that. I think I'm about as public as an evangelical as a person can be at my level of being public. Um, But what, what this individual was trying to say is that I do contend 
that scripture, that the Bible uh, occasionally contradicts itself, that it tells stories with from different perspectives, different with uh, different details, that it doesn't always reconcile easily. And what he does not know, of course, is that I believe that this is part of the message of scripture, that it's meant to contradict itself to make a point. I'll, I'll give you an illustration here in just a minute. But, but let me first describe uh, what I do believe about Scripture. And for those of you who are not believers, I have many, many, maybe even more than half of the folks who listen to this podcast and interact with me online are, are not Christians. I love that. So thank you for being here. Hang out with us for a moment. This is not going to get too technical Christian uh, Christianese. Um, what I believe, and I think what a majority of uh, more traditional Orthodox kinds of Christians believe, um, is that the Bible is definitely produced by human hands. Humans wrote it. That's why we call it the Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Matthew. You can feel their personalities on the page. You can tell the difference between Paul writing and Peter writing or Mark writing. Um, But at the same time, uh, we also believe that the Holy Spirit superintended, oversaw, uh, orchestrated that writing so that uh, it is revelation. It is the Word of God. It is what God is saying. Okay? So you have, just like you do in the nature of Jesus and the person of Jesus, who's both human and and God, uh, you have in the Bible uh, both the Holy Spirit's orchestration and the human imprint. I mean, there's just no question about that. Fights, human fights are on the page. Paul gets mad, you know, well, I may not be one of the super apostles, but still I have something to say. I mean, all that's right there on the page, and I think it's awesome. So I believe in what's called technically verbal plenary inspiration which is exactly what I was accused of not believing. The reason that this gentleman accused me of not believing it, and again, no big deal that he did, um, is that I do believe the Bible is a poetic and the Lord allows Scripture to be uh, boisterous and contradictory and caption, capture human foibles and uh, tells the raucous human tale that's also divine. And so sometimes, and, and then, of course, on top of that, on top of the, just the nature of, of human beings and how they're captured on the page, uh, sometimes you have uh, purposely contradictory statements. Let me give you an example. Uh, in Proverbs 26.4, Uh, The reader is told, do not answer a fool according to his folly. And then there's an explanation for why. The very next verse, Proverbs 26, 5, says, answer a fool according to his folly. Uh, what, what are you supposed to do if you're being literal, literal about it? If you are trying to figure out, well, I answer a fool or not. I got this brother-in-law who's a fool. Do I answer the dude or not? The, the, the point, of course, is not literally answer or don't answer. The point really is you're screwed when you're trying to deal with the fool. That's really the issue. That's why it says two contradictory things. God's not confused. The issue is you've got two verses that say two completely different things because it's making a broader point than either one verse contains. Now, the way I got in trouble uh, with this gentleman in my book, Killing Jesus, um, is that I described the fact that there are contradictory accounts of what happened uh, at or after the resurrection of Jesus. And this is absolutely true. Uh, You have four Gospels and you have four completely, well, not completely, but very different accounts uh, of what happened at the tomb, when the disciples discovered it, which women went to the tomb, who told the disciples what they were eating, when they were uh, told, um, who outraced who. It's all rather fun to watch, but it doesn't agree. You can't align the four Gospels up and see a story perfectly told. 
Uh, in other words, they, they, there will always be questions. Were there two women or were there, was there one? Did, was one? Was one of them Mary or the other Mary, as it says? Were there, was there one angel, two angels, three angels? Were there soldiers there? Was there a gardener there? Um, did they tell the disciples? When, when Jesus tells them to tell, tell some women to tell the disciples, they never get around to doing it because they're afraid. Uh, they all differ. And I think that the story, the message, what God is trying to get across um, is in this distinction, is in this contradiction, is in the uh, fact that these words do not factually and narratively align, but he's saying something about the nature of the excitement of the event, uh, the human response, the confusion. What's more important, of course, is that we know something happened because a church arose, a movement began, history was changed, and men attributed it to Jesus showing up in their midst. So I'm not bothered by the human side of Scripture. I'm not bothered by God's use of contradiction. Uh, I'm I'm not bothered by various narratives because my faith is not based on a perfect alignment of narratives in every case. And my understanding of the Bible includes the fact that God actually speaks through the contradictions, that God actually instructs us uh, through these very mysteries. And he doesn't want our faith in a perfectly written history. He wants our faith in the revelation of God through that history and um, the, the, the fact that there is truth to be understood even through contradictory tales. So the, the problem is that we, uh, particularly in the Protestant world, have gotten into kind of a literalistic approach to Scripture uh, that causes us great trouble. Uh, when somebody says, do you take the Bible literally? Well, what does that mean exactly? As I've said before in this podcast, you have descriptions of a sun-clothed woman. You have a woman riding a beast. You have, you know, you obviously have symbolism. You obviously have things that aren't meant to be taken literally. I mean, for heaven's sakes. Um, now, Jesus walking on the water, we Protestants, we Christians, we would say, yes, that's literal. And a lot of our liberal friends would say, no, that was symbolic. It was meant to, it was an idiom of the day. Okay, these are the things we debate, and I know where I stand, and I know what I believe, and I can go at it in a debate. But the fact is, the Bible does speak in symbol. It does speak in contradiction. It does speak poetically. Um, it does say things. Well, my favorite Old Testament book is Ecclesiastes. And, you know, that book is like, man, just shoot me now. You know, really, if life's this bad, just shoot me now. But I like the grittiness of it and the reality of it and the way it speaks of life in a very human, from a very human perspective, and then concludes, well, keep the covenants, love God, and and live a life worth living. So, I'm not bothered that this man charged me with heresy. I'm bothered that we might have a a large portion of the church that thinks in terms of only the literal, that that doesn't see the poetic, that doesn't see the human contradictory, that doesn't see the revelation of God in the contradictory. And this is important because religion is so high and holy. It's so other. Uh, I would take it out of religion and just say my understanding of God is so beyond the human experience that contradictions and poetic language and symbols and metaphors and allegories have to be used to communicate spiritual reality. Uh, otherwise, we, we never, you know, we never will understand anything. You're never going to take a beam out of somebody's eye. You know, you're never going to take a, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I could just go on and on with the analogies and the, and the examples from Scripture. So, what, what I am urging here is not that everybody thinks Stephen Mansfield is orthodox and, and theologically pure. What I am urging here uh, is that we, we stop using narrow categories 
of uh, identification of truth and then treating people as heretics who don't align with them. Uh, the fact is the Bible contradicts itself. The fact is the Bible is wonderfully human. The fact is that uh, Barnabas and Paul fought and never worked together again, and that's within three chapters of the Holy Spirit telling them that they should uh, be set apart to work together. Okay, it's there. It's on the page. It's real. It's true. This is the human nature. This is, as I say in the book, this is the great human drama of God. And it's raucous, and it's disturbing, and it's thrilling, and it's mud, and blood, and beer, and wine, and water, and, and uh, spilled out on the page. And um, it's, it's a gritty tale of God. And so we, the Bible is not, uh, its message is not damaged by us understanding that there is drama on the page, there is poetry in the book, there is contradiction, there is uh, great symbolic literature, there's allegory, there's apocalyptic kinds of literature. Um, and all of this needs to be taken as revelation, but we don't need to mistreat each other, number one, or number two, ostracize or excommunicate each other uh, because we may see some of these differently or because uh, of, of uh, controversies over rather disputable matters of interpretation that don't have to do with the fundamental issue. The Bible is God's word and God speaks through it. So the issue here is not to defend me. The issue is to say, let's step up to a more sophisticated understanding of what the Bible is, and let's be able to speak to a world that wants to understand the Bible, but doesn't want to be forced into categories that almost make no sense when it comes to Scripture, like, do you take the Bible literally? It's impossible to take everything in the Bible literally. There is no sun-clothed woman. Uh, but certainly it's history. Certainly it's human beings walking on the ground. Certainly it's God interacting with human beings. It's our categories that cause the problem, not the way God wrote Scripture. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and the Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama, The Search for God in Guinness, Lincoln's Battle with God, and Killing Jesus. You can learn more about Stephen at mansfieldgroup.com and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' and Rollin' Podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.